I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome back into a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. It has been a very long damn time, probably something like four months, but we are back just as is Denver Nuggets basketball. The Nuggets have already gotten their preseason underway with two games against the Lakers, but tonight was their first game at home against the Perth Wildcats of the Australian National Basketball League. The Nuggets struggled throughout the game, and they ended up winning 96-88, to but the game was much, much closer than that. There were points to where Perth got them within one point, and things just seem, were seemingly kind of unhinged for the Nuggets. Frustrations were boiling over, and they really just weren't at a point to where they were in a cohesive, fluid groove on the court. Things were just kind of out of whack, and after the chaos that they've kind of gone through within the first week of training camp where they had to play LeBron James in San Diego for his Lakers debut, and then LeBron James in Staples Center for his Staples Center debut, it really felt like tonight's game was just a letdown, and because the Perth Wildcats were just such a significantly less talented team, the Nuggets starters really just kind of let off the gas and never really tried to assert themselves at any point beyond the first quarter. Because of that, things got very dicey. There was a one-point deficit only for the Perth Wildcats at one point, and this is a Perth team that lost by 58 points to the Utah Jazz just six days ago. With all of that coming into account, it just seemed like the Nuggets were struggling from top to bottom. Before we get into any of that, though, let me just give you a quick rundown of our sponsor of the show, Terrapin Care Station. The Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast is presented by Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all of the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are just perfect for you. Their dispensers are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head down to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is www.terrapincarestation.com. That is terrapincarestation.com for all of your cannabis needs. 
All right, let's just get into it. So this was really a game with two different stories. There was the starter stories, and then on top of that, you had the stories of the bench players. The Nuggets starters, which is where we'll start tonight, just really struggled top to bottom. There was never really any cohesion between the group. Um, the first quarter was great. They jumped out to something like a 15-4 to lead off the bat. Guys were moving off of each other. The ball was moving great, and it was the first time that the Nuggets had their full starting unit on the court. Gary Harris missed the first two preseason games due to a right hamstring strain, and Jamal Murray missed the second preseason game against the Lakers due to an ankle injury. So this was the first time that we were able to see the entire Nugget starting unit of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic all coexisting on the court together. Um... While they started out very well, the second half and their second stint even in the second quarter, they just completely let off the gas and allowed the Perth Wildcats to really get back into this game in a way that they should have never been able to. The Nuggets are a significantly better team than the Perth Wildcats, and this game did not reflect that. That was 100% on the starters and their intensity. I asked Michael Malone after the game in his post-game press conference if this game could be a wake-up call for the Nuggets, and the first thing he said was, well, I've been awake since April 11th. April April 11th alludes to the last game of the season last year when the Nuggets lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves and were eliminated from postseason contention. So you could tell he was irate that the Nuggets did not show up in the way that they should have, especially with the starters. And he emphasized that the starters needed to bring more to the table. Let's start out with the positivity with the starters, because Gary Harris was his first game back. It was the first time we got to see him in real live action, because during training camp, media doesn't get a chance to see the practices. All we get is some hearsay from different individuals, and everything we heard about Gary Harris was phenomenal. He was stronger. He was getting to the rim with ease. He was continuing to grow as a finisher at the rim, and of course, his jump shot was still buttery smooth as it's always been jump forward to the game against Perth, and a lot of that was there for Gary. He had a very, very strong return. He finished with 13 points on 5 of 10 shooting. He only hit one of his five three-pointers, but he was clearly rusty. He got to the line once, hit both of his foul shots, had two assists and one rebound against no turnovers, and even threw a block in for good measure. The most important part of Gary's start for me was that he immediately stepped back into the role of being the most consistent player on the court, somebody that the Nuggets offense can just rely on at all times just to be who he is. He was great going to the rim. You could see his strength already just barreling through some of these defenders that Perth had, and his finishes were strong, they were creative, they were very, very much so just exactly what you remember from him last year. And that is so important because when Gary Harris is able to score with the ball in his hands, the Nuggets offense just goes to an entirely different level because who are you going to kind of help off of to provide help defense on Gary Harris? You can't help off Nikola Jokic because he's such a feathery touch in the mid-range. Jamal Murray is a sniper from three-point range. Will Barton can, can score from anywhere on the court. And Paul Millsap is a four-time All-Star who is one of the most savvy scorers in the league, um, and who is taking steps backward as his, as his age starts to catch up with him, but he can still hurt you in a plethora of ways. But to see Gary Harris come out on the floor, play with the ball in his hands, slashing over the place, hitting threes, playing good defense, getting in dribble handoff action with Jokic, it really just felt nostalgic seeing him in that role again because that's exactly what he used to do for so long. So seeing him able to do that was a great sign for things to go forward. It did not seem like his right hamstring strain was bothering him in any capacity tonight, and that is great for the Nuggets going forward. But 
that is really where the positivity ends. Barton was good in the first stint, but even him, he started to trail off as the game went along. I mean, Will Barton finished tonight with 11 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal with 2 turnovers as well. Shot 4 of 8 from the field, so it wasn't like he was bad in any capacity, but most of that damage was done in his first stint. It was not something where he was consistent throughout the game, which was really the story of the rest of the Nuggets starters beyond Gary Harris. So in the first quarter, finally we got to see Will Barton's finishing at the rim return. For so long this preseason, the first two games, he was not able to finish those tough shots in the in the paint like he does so often in his career. He just wasn't the same level of finisher, and that can be attributed to a lot of things. Rust, just getting back into the swing of things, it really isn't something to be worried about, but it was something that was notable. Today, that was different. He came in and was the energy setter from the start. He was the guy who really got the Nuggets rolling once the tip happened in the game. And seeing him be able to bring that energy was so important because the Nuggets lacked it in such an incredible way for the majority of the game. Uh, he was still hitting shots. Um, he actually hit one of his two three-pointers. He was four of, four of eight from the field, like I said earlier. So it was good to see him being consistent and a guy that the Nuggets can rely on offensively. He was moving the ball. It wasn't sticking in his hands and it seemed like he was able to em embrace being that fourth or fifth scorer as opposed to a guy who came off the bench and just filled it up and was the primary offensive focal point so that was very good to see is that Will Barton's finishing came back and he was able to get comfortable again but as will be a theme for the majority of this podcast talking about the starters a lot of his energy and a lot of his production tailed off in a big way after that first start so once you get past Barton, things really get rough for the rest of the starting unit. Let's just jump to Jamal Murray because he had one of his most invisible games that I can remember from him. He only got four shots up tonight and only one of them was made. He was 0 of 3 from the field, from three-point land, I should say, and was 2 of 3 from the free throw line. He did not add a rebound, an assist, or a steal. He had one block, but that's all he added beyond his very minuscule scoring on the night. I have not seen Jamal Murray just disappear in a game like this in an extremely long time that is not the Jamal Murray we know because he's so assertive. He's a guy who wants to go out and absolutely kill you. That is why the Nuggets drafted him. That is why they feel like he can be the kind of player that takes his offense to the next level. But tonight, there just really wasn't any of that. He was working hard on the defensive end. That can't take, we can't take that away from him. But... It wasn't the same thing watching Jamal Murray play as we have seen in years past, in the past two years. But at the same time, it just wasn't something that you had to worry about necessarily. I mean, Jamal Murray will bounce back. This is the, one of the most lethal scorers that you're going to see on this Nuggets team. So I'm not worried about this. We don't want to turn this podcast into an overreaction just fiasco because this is one preseason game. And to preface everything else we're going to get into, when you play a team like Perth, it's hard to get excited. It's hard to get the energy level up. It's hard to come in with an extreme level of motivation just because they're not a team that necessarily is going to be at the same talent level or should be able to push this Nuggets team in any direction. With that being said, they did tonight because the Nuggets let off the gas so much. When you let off the gas against a physical team like Perth, they can make it hurt you. This is not, I mean, anybody who plays professional basketball is going to be good enough to at least put points up against anybody, and that includes the Perth Wildcats. They may not have been the most talented team, they may not have been the most athletic team, they may not have the most skilled players, but they fought 
fought tooth and nail for everything they had. And when the Nuggets let off the gas, that started to culminate into the lead dissipating in a very, very rapid way. So when you look at Jamal Murray's game, you can see why that hurts so much and why it's so important for this Nuggets team to bounce back and show that they can actually not let off the gas against bad teams for once. The Nuggets have had the young team excuse for three years now. It is time for them to grow up and stop letting these games get away from them. This is a preseason game, and that's not the end of the world, and this is just working out the kinks, as Will Barton said after the game tonight, but they need to start learning that consistency, and that starts against anybody. That starts against Perth. That starts against the Clippers when they play them on opening night, as well as the next game on the preseason schedule, and it matches and it matters against the Golden State Warriors. It's every single team they're going to face. They cannot let off the gas. So Jamal Murray was as invisible as I can remember tonight, and Nikola Jokic, who is the next culprit that we're going to talk about, also struggled mightily. This was almost the anti-Nikola Jokic game. He was one of five from the field today, missed his only three-pointer. And he was one of four from the free throw line. He was just lackadaisical. He really wasn't locked in. And you could tell all the way throughout the game and the way he was doing things. There was a lot of hope to start the game because he was whipping passes around beautifully. He was throwing one-handed slingers straight into the shooting pocket from across the court. And you were like, wow, this is going to be one of those Nikola Jokic games. But the second they got a lead, he just completely let off the gas and everything started to fall apart. He did have seven rebounds, which is good because he hasn't rebounded the same level this preseason. He had also had three assists, but he also had three turnovers to continue with his turnover issues. Nikola Jokic really, really struggled tonight, and it's going to be an interesting thing to follow for the rest of the preseason because so far, Nikola Jokic has not been the same Nikola Jokic. He's been a little bit more disengaged than I've remembered. Um, now it's time to jump to Paul Millsap, which may have been the most interesting storyline of this game. Paul Millsap always plays hard. There's no arguing that. He is going to be a guy who fights, 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 because that's what he's always done his entire career. But tonight, he was beyond frustrated. Uh, before we get into all of that, he did have five points, two of seven from the field, missed both of his three-pointers, and was one of two from the foul line. He did have nine rebounds, three assists, and two steals, but also had four turnovers. Between him and Nikola Jokic, they have been as turnover-prone as I can remember. This is a front court who usually makes incredibly smart decisions, but that has not been there tonight. Um... And all of Paul Millsap's struggles culminated into a very frustrated moment. He felt that he should have been getting foul calls that were not being called. And at one point, he told the referee this, he got a technical, and then he asked the referee, why did I get this technical? What was the foul for? And he was just being very emphatic about it, and the referee gave him another technical and ejected him. This is the first time in Paul Millsap's career that he has ever been ejected from a game, from what I understand. It was just a bizarre moment, and it very much so embodied the entire game that the Nuggets went through. The frustration level was at an extreme, extremely high level, and... It was so bad that Paul Millsap, who is a consummate professional, this is a guy who will talk to the media in the worst of times. Him and Nikola Jokic were gone from the prep from the locker room before the media was even entered. We did not even get a chance to talk to him because Paul Millsap probably didn't want to take any more fines than he already got from the league for the two technicals he got. Because I'm sure he had some very choice words for the officials that he had to deal with. Beyond that, though, Paul Millsap's shot is just not falling. He's only made, I think, four field goals in three games. Um, 
he has just not been the offensive player that you hope to see. There's no rhythm right now, none of it. Um, he still did do a bit of everything, like I said. The fact that he's rebounding, he's getting these assists, he's working on the defensive end, that is very helpful for them. But he needs to be more than just a guy who fills in the gaps. This is a guy the Nuggets paid $30 million a year for, and there is so much more that he can bring to the table. He needs to find his niche, he needs to find his rhythm, or the Nuggets aren't going to reach the level that they could reach. Um, that's enough for the starters because nothing was really good about the starters. So it's time to get now get into the Nuggets bench, which was actually very, very strong tonight. Um, the group of Malik Beasley, Mason Plumley, Trey Lyles, Bonte Morris, and even Torrey Craig was very, very strong tonight. That is the reason they won the game. Um, let's just start out with Malik Beasley because he's been the talk of training camp. Everyone's been just gushing about how good his shot has been, and for very, very good reason. I mean, at this point, I believe he's... Uh, 11 for 16 from three in the preseason so far. That is just an absurd level of, of efficiency. And it's very hard to find fault within, within Malik Beasley's game so far. He's finally learned to play within himself. He's not trying to do too much. He's not trying to force the issue. He is doing exactly what he needs to do to get playing time. He is defending his ass off. He's hitting open shots. He's making quick decisions, and he's not trying to just force himself to be an individual creator because he's not there at this point. So Malik tonight... He ended up putting up 14 points on only seven shots. He was five of seven from the uh, from the field. He hit four of his six three pointers tonight, threw in four rebounds and assist as well as a steal, and it was a plus 16. That is phenomenal. That is exactly what you're looking for him, for looking at from him, and. You can just see that they're really growing as a group, this bench unit. He looks comfortable playing with Monte Morris, with Mason Plumley, with Trey Lyles, with, with Torrey Craig. And if he can continue to play like this, he is going to end up beating out Juancho Hernan Gomez for that 10th roster spot. Because right now, the top nine rosters, uh, the top nine spots in the rotation are set. You have the starter, you have Trey Lyles, you have Torrey Craig, you have Monte Morris or Isaiah Thomas, and Mason Plumley. Those are the nine. So th there's one spot left between Wancho Hernan Gomez and Malik Beasley, and right now it's hard not to give Malik Beasley the nod. He has just been the better player than Wancho Hernan Gomez, and on top of that, his defensive ability is significantly better than what Wancho's is. So you got to give credit where credit is due. There is nobody that has worked as hard as Malik Beasley has this offseason. He even said at his exit interview after they lost to Minnesota last year that the first half of, the, of this year and be, or the first half of last year and before that he wasn't approaching the game the correct way and Richard Jefferson really helped him find his ability to get better find his I guess his rhythm as a worker to actually improve not just work to work and you you're seeing it happen his shot is significantly better he has just a freakish amount of athleticism, which allows his shot to have such a high release point, making it almost unblockable. When he gets up in transition and uses his athletic ability to finish at the rim, it's devastating. He had another huge dunk tonight. So Malik Beasley is playing himself into a role at this point, and that's a very, very good thing for him because this is his make-or-break year. They have a team option on him this year. The Nuggets may need a roster spot down the line, and if he doesn't show out, he may find himself looking for a new team at the end of the year. But if he continues to play like this, there is no reason for the Nuggets not to pick up his team option at the end of the year. So something to keep an eye on for the rest of the preseason is if Malik Beasley is able to continue this level of consistency, continue this high level 
level of decision making and continue playing within himself and not force the issue. Um, the next person was Monte Morris. Man, Monte Morris was the best player for the Nuggets tonight on the court, and it really wasn't close. He finished with 15 points. He went 5 of 11 from the uh, from the field. He missed both of his three-pointers, but he got to the free-throw line five times tonight and hit all five shots. Add in nine assists with one rebound and one steal against only two turnovers, and it's hard to be more excited about Monte Morris. This is a guy who he owns the record for assisted turnover ratio in the in the NCAA ever history and he has shown that he can absolutely run a cohesive offensive unit no matter what that is what he does and it's only been three preseason games and you can just tell his chemistry with Trey Lyles his chemistry with Malik Beasley his chemistry with Mason Plumley. it is just soaring to new heights seemingly every single day there's a story where Monte Morris, what he does is he tries to spend time off of the court with every single player on his team that he plays with, whatever it is. Even at Summer League, he did this just to kind of figure out the way they think, the way they like to play, where they like the ball. He goes to extreme extents to build himself into a player who can help immediately and know where to be and make great decisions, and that is what you saw tonight, and it is why he was the best player on the floor. Um, it's getting to the point where it's hard not to be confident in Monte Morris being the Nuggets backup point guard come the opening night of the regular season on October 17th. He has just proven day in and day out that he can do all of the small little things that you want your backup point guard to do that immediately contributes to winning. The way that he would drive into the paint, retreat back out to the three-point line, suck an extra defender with him, put a dump pass down for Mason Plumley, who now has a wide-open dunk because Monte Morris drug that defender out. He can see two, three, four steps ahead of the defense, and because of that, he is making everybody around him better. A big reason for Malik Beasley's improvement is because he has a very strong point guard to play with who will put him in a good position to succeed. And the same goes for the next player we're going to talk about, which is Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley is a guy who struggled a lot last year. He had low some of his lowest totals of his career across the board, and he was playing with a sports hernia, which is tearing of the core muscles, which really hinders your athleticism, your lateral movement, just your overall mobility on the court. Now, Mason Plumley is healthy, and he is playing with an actual backup point guard, which Devin Harris was fine, but he's not a point guard, and Emmanuel Moutier was more of a dumpster fire than a helpful player in his time in Denver. Now you're seeing Mason Plumley get the ball in the short roll, making quick decisions as a playmaker, going up for lobs and finishing with authority. He's really just finding the ability to impact the game in as many ways as possible, and that is huge for the Nuggets because being able to play through Mason Plumley when Nikola Jokic goes to the bench allows the Nuggets to keep a continuity of how they play offensive basketball, and it allows them to have a vertical athletic threat in the front court. There really isn't another player on this roster who can be an athlete in the front court, who can go up for lobs, who can finish with authority, who can really take it to a defense and force them to collapse on him when he has the ball in the paint. So because of that, it's just going to open up the offense more and more and more for players like Trey Lyles, like Torrey Cray, like Monte Morris. So the chemistry that you're seeing grow between Monte and Mason Plumley is going to be great looking down the line because... That weaponizes your bench unit. The Nuggets bench unit was their biggest issue last year. Now it's starting to look like they could weaponize their bench unit and really, really become something that they can rely on to give them an edge when they 
take their starters off the floor. And the Nuggets have one of the best starting units in basketball, so if you can also have a strong bench, there's no reason this Nuggets team couldn't be a top five offense in basketball and be able to fight for home court advantage in the playoffs. That is really how talented they are at this point. The other reason that this Nuggets bench unit was able to open up so much is Trey Lyles. He was hitting his shots tonight. He ended up with uh, 10 points on 4 of 7 shooting, also hitting 2 of his 5 three-pointers, and then threw in 8 rebounds and 2 assists for good measure. Just like Malik Beasley, it's Trey Lyles who has had probably one of the best camps out of all the players in the Nuggets roster. I mean, when he hits his threes, the rest of his game just flies open. He's able to get into the post, he's able to create mismatches, he's able to attack off the dribble and play make for others, or he uses athleticism to finish at the rim. He's just such a versatile offensive player that once his game opens up with his jump shot, everything else comes with it. If you go to milehighsports.com right now, I actually wrote an article about how Trey Lyles can weaponize the Nuggets bench unit. He is just such a good, versatile, dynamic player that once he gets going... I don't see a way to stop him or the Nuggets bench unit because Monte Morris is such a savvy backup point guard. Mason Plumley is such a vertical spacing, hyper-athletic center that when you add the spacing of a stretch four like Trey Lyles and someone else who can create off the bounce and be able to create plays for others, the sky's the limit for this bench unit just as much as it is for the starting unit. So it's hard to be upset with anything that Trey Lyles has done. He hasn't held the ball for too long. He keeps the ball moving. He's hitting his shots. And he's really just been phenomenal top to bottom. The only player that we haven't really talked about at this point is Torrey Craig, who actually played in the NBL, so this is also a game that meant a lot to him. He wasn't necessarily phenomenal throughout this game, but he definitely had his good moments, and he was strong throughout. He played 18 minutes, got four shots up, made three of them. He had eight points and had two rebounds, an assist, and a steal. So going plus 14 in 18 minutes is great, and he really just wasn't a negative. Um, He has more to his game than he's shown in the preseason, but he's wearing a mask over his face for a shot he took during just pickup in the offseason. So that mask, it starts to bother you because the sweat gets stuck into it. you got to constantly adjust it on your face, and it's really seeming to bother him. He told me before the game that it was bothering him. But he still found a way to help, and that was really important. The last piece of this game of, is actually somebody who barely played, which is Wancho Hernan Gomez. Wancho had a great first game against the Lakers in San Diego, was almost invisible in the second game at Staples Center against the Lakers, and then jump ahead to the third preseason game, and he only saw five minutes of trash time tonight where he just really did not even see the court. And when he did, he had two turnovers, got two shots up, only made one of them, and just wasn't impactful. Looking at this roster, there are nine roster spots that are set, and then there is a battle for the 10th roster spot between Malik Beasley and between um, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez. Sorry, it's one in the morning. My brain's starting to go to mush. Um, One of those two is going to solidify that spot, and the other one is going to fall to the wayside. And looking at the future of the Nuggets roster and their financial flexibility, they're going to eventually have to make a decision on one of Wancho and one, or Malik Beasley. And as of right now, Malik Beasley is beating out Wancho Hernan Gomez for the ability to play within, this, within Michael Malone's rotation. Wancho has to prove something these last two games. He has to show that he can be more than just a spot-up shooter. He needs to show that he can defend. He needs to show that he can attack off the bounce. He needs to show that 
can play in transition, something beyond just hitting shots. Well, that's extremely valuable. Malik Beasley has been unconscious from the three-point line. He's something like 12 of 16 from the three-point line in this preseason so far. So... Wancho needs to find a way to step up in a very quick way because right now Malik is just running through him and at this rate Wancho Hernan Gomez is going to be the odd man le- odd man left out looking in. Other than that, it was a pretty weird bizarre game that really never had a whole lot to go on with it, but the Nuggets get a chance to bounce back against the Lakers Um, or sorry, against the Clippers on Tuesday back in Los Angeles once again. And then from there, they go to Chicago to play them on Friday for the last preseason game of the year before playing the Clippers once again in Los Angeles for the opening night of basketball on October 17th. It's going to be an interesting ride. I very much appreciate having everybody uh, come back and listen. I know it's been a long time, but there will be more podcasts coming out. It will continue to roll. And thank you so much for listening. We will We'll be back very, very soon with another Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. But until then, thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.